The views and comments expressed on the Space Show by its guests, callers, and listeners belong to them. The Space Show and its hosts serve only as a platform and are not responsible for others' comments or views. All topics discussed on the Space Show are primarily for educational purposes. Welcome to the Friday morning West Coast Time Space Show program. I'm your host, David Livingston. Thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, we have a most interesting topic uh, that I will introduce in just a minute. First, a couple of very quick announcements. Our toll-free number, if you would like to call our two guests, Dr. Angie Buckley and Dr. Ken Davidian, is one 866 687-7223. Of course, you can reach us as well through email, drspace, D-R-S-P-A-C-E, at thespaceshow.com. This is a 60-minute format program, so please watch the clock if you want to talk to uh, both Ken and Angie or send us an email. A couple of things coming up. Uh, Sunday is an unusual program with Dr. Ben Arroyo, many of you know him from the engineering department at Rutgers, and it's Ask the Engineer. So Heim does not really have a preset topic like he usually does. Uh, you guys get to ask him any questions you want. You can play stump the engineering professor if you want, but uh, he's here to answer any of your engineering space-related questions uh, that you want to throw out at him. Hopefully they're space-related. So that's sort of an unusual program. And then, as many of you know, NASA put out a, a report on space solar power a couple of days ago, and many people who think space solar power is the all and end all for getting power to our grid and to save the planet and to do this or that or the other, they were pretty disappointed with that report. In fact, they were really disappointed with that report. So John Mankins, who many of you know, who has spent his life developing and advocating for space solar power, is our guest Tuesday evening. And then very quickly, uh, Paul Szymanski is, is back with us on Friday for National Security Space. And Peter Haig, Dr. Peter Haig in the UK, who many of you read his blog on Substack, he's with us on a couple of his recent blog articles which, in my opinion, were powerhouses. So I asked Dr. Haig to come back on the program with us. Uh, so for today, I'm happy that uh, Dr. Angie Buckley is back, as well as Dr. Ken Davidian, on a new uh, International Space University, ISU, uh, class, uh, which is a space sector crash course. I'll ask them to explain it in just a minute. Uh, very quickly, Angie is a technical fellow at the Aerospace Corp Center for Space Policy and Strategy. Uh, because we're on the 60-minute 
format, I'll just give you a tiny bit, and you can read about them both because their bios are on the blog. And uh, Ken, um, he, he has been uh, in space and in the related fields for 40 more years or so. Uh, he was uh, with NASA and the FAA when I met him. I believe he was with the FAA, so that goes back a long, long time. And uh, he holds key positions with ISU and the New Space Journal, for which we do get several guests from time to time. You can read about Ken. His bio is also on the website. We want to talk to both. So, Angie and Ken, welcome back to the show. How are you both? And good to have you back on the space show. Well, thanks, Thank guys, you, David. David. It's good to be here. Doing great. Okay, so... Looking forward to a good conversation. Okay, so um, you have a new course, the International Space University Space Sector Crash Course. I asked you what it was. I'm sure the listeners would like to know what it is. So, um, Angie, why don't you lead off and maybe tell us a little bit about ISU and what this course is, and then go back and forth with Ken, and uh, we'll see what the audience has to say. Okay, thanks, David. Well, the uh, Space After Crash course is another offering in the ISU uh, portfolio of courses. Of course, we, we on this show, several times discuss things that happened at the Space Studies Program, which is the ISU summer program that meets in a different location around the world every summer uh, for eight or nine weeks. Uh, of course, there's the master's program. Uh, there's also some professional development programs, uh, uh, the executive space course. And, and the space sector's uh, crash course is just one of that suite of courses. And I would like for Ken to explain it because it was actually Ken's idea. He came up with it. I think it's a, an amazing class. Uh, we had the privilege to teach on the first version that we offered down in Houston, and I think it was just it was just brilliant. So um, I'm gonna hand it over to Ken to explain anything else he wants he wants to build on, you know, what I said, and then talk about the space sector crash course. Hey. Over to you, Ken. Hi, Ken. Okay. Well, welcome to oh. the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great, and welcome. And hello from snowy Washington D.C. Uh, this afternoon. <clears throat> yeah. So. I, I retired from government service about a year and a half ago, and I immediately started working as the ISU, the International Space University's Vice President of North American Operations. And I had, a, I had a lot of ideas of things I wanted to do, but one of them was to I wanted to create a course that sort of introduced space to all the new people that are coming into the space sector these days. I mean, when you go to space conferences and meetings and, te- and um, space cafes, there's a lot of people there that weren't coming 20 years ago or 10 years ago. A lot of new people entering the space sector, and this is a really, really good thing. So we wanted to make the ISU philosophies of the three I's, the international, interdisciplinary, intercultural. We wanted to make these types of offerings available to everybody. And, of course, the SST, the Space Studies Program, the Masters of Space Studies, now the Master of Science of Space Studies, we have the Space uh, Southern Hemisphere, SST. We have executive space courses. These have always been kind of geared toward people already in the space sector. So we wanted something that would be an introduction to the space sector for folks who were kind of new. And so that's why, you know, some people balked at the 
the naming of the course uh, as a crash course, but the crash course denotes a lot of learning in a very short amount of time. It was actually a term that originated in the U.S. military during the Second World War. Only in 1939 to 41, when we were trying to get our military up to speed, crash courses became the, the norm there. So it was along those lines that we decided to offer a two and a half hour, no, three and a half hours of lectures in each of the seven departments that make ISU interdisciplinary. And these seven departments are space physical sciences, like astronomy and physics and cosmology and planetary science and heliophysics, space life sciences, not only including human performance in space, but also biology and zoology, that type of thing, astrobiology. Um, there's space engineering, and we have a good grasp of space engineering, what that means, and systems engineering. It also includes space policy and law, space business and management, satellite applications, and finally, space humanities. And this, these are the seven departments under various names that ISU has had for the 35, 36, 37 years of its existence. And we wanted to bring that again to the people who are entering space for the first time. Of course, one of the big revelations with folks is that space is not just for physicists or um, medical doctors or engineers and astronauts. It's for everybody, and everybody can get involved. And that's sort of what this interdisciplinary curriculum is supposed to encourage and to help people see that there are a lot of ways to get involved in space. And so this space sector crash course was sort of a, an entryway, an on-ramp, an appetizer to the space sector and to other space um, ISU course offerings, frankly. Um, the course, we offered three and a half hours of lectures in each of those seven departments. The first half hour was sort of an overview. This is what space engineering is, or this is what space life sciences is. But then we went into one-hour lectures of each department talking about their past on one day, the present in the, you know, on the next day, and then the future of that department on a third day. So this was really a crash course. We're talking about seven academic hours, which is 48 minutes of lecture and 12 minutes of break, seven hours of lecture, three days in a row, the participants. And that's, that is, that's, some would call that cruel and unusual. Now, I was, we were told a lot by people, oh, my God, nobody's going to sit down for seven hours of lectures. And it is grueling. We have to admit that. But having the 12-minute breaks between lectures was good, but, and, and it worked. It actually worked. So we didn't have a lot of participants on our first um, course. We ran it for the first time back in November in Houston, but it was very well received, um, and it was well-received enough, and we got enough feedback from the participants, and we got enough lessons learned that we're planning now our second, third, and fourth, and fifth versions of this. And these are courses that are 100% in person. You're sitting in a room with the lecturers, with the participants. And this is, frankly, one of the major benefits of ISU programs is the networking, the people you meet, and getting to ask questions. And so that's what this course really provides, both the networking as well as the content. Um, so it was really exciting. We had a really good time. And, you know, let me throw it back to Angie to get her perspective on how her experience was on it. Uh, hold on a minute. When, where sure. is the second one going to be held? We don't know that yet. You know, we're, we're targeting. In fact, next week or a week after that, I'm going up to New Jersey Institute of Technologies very close to Rutgers, you mentioned Rutgers before, to see if we could do one there. We're, we're, we're scoping out host sites right now for the future ones. And then once we identify a host site and then I identify possible dates that the lecturers are available, 
then we, we start announcing. And typically, we will make an announcement about three to four months, at least three to four months ahead of time. So we're hoping to shoot to have one in the May timeframe for the first one in 2024, and then hopefully have a couple more before the end of the calendar year. Uh, Angie, before you respond to Ken's questions, what's the likelihood of this program or the ISU summer session coming to Las Vegas? I can, oh, I I'll make think it, that, that would be a go. very yeah, interesting thing. <laughs> you, talked over, you talked over each other, so I couldn't understand anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Which is probably the answer. So, uh, <laughs> Ken, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I, 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 I would say, Angie, go ahead, please. <laughs> I, I think it would be a, a, a really nice place to, to convene the course because, uh, well, yeah, obviously there's – loads of places we could convene it, uh, but it would be fun to potentially <clears throat> open a coordination with um, UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and <clears throat> work with them to convene it out there or have a business host here. Um, and the students would have plenty to do uh, in the off hours. <laughs> I don't think they would be looking for, you know, entertainment. I think the thing to do would be not to convene it on the strip, uh, so people have to work to get down there. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it'd be, uh, good. I think there's enough interest around here. There, there's, there's a lot more space activity going on in Vegas than a lot of people realize. Well, yeah, they're building so a spaceport too. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of that. I've had the guy on the show yeah. who wants to do it. But we do have air conditioning, everybody. So, uh, yes, so, we do. summer should not be. <laughs> Uh, omitted just because it's hot as hell here outside. Ken, what were you going to say? I was going to say that Las Vegas would be a great location for it. Like Angie mentioned, um, there are there would be enough places to go visit for a site visit, for a field trip, um, so to speak. So that's obviously one of the um, selection criteria. And, and the rest of it is just a matter of, you know, like when we did it in Houston, we basically did it in a hotel um, meeting room, and that's all we need is a place to do the presentation. And then, like I said, we want a place to go visit to take all the participants to go visit to get some hands-on experience and some social interaction. So um, I think Las Vegas is a great possibility. And, um, you know, a lot of it, frankly, David, is limited by me being able to go and do a site visit or somebody that I know understands the program like Angie can go do a site visit, make sure that everybody understands what we want to do, and then taking care of the logistics is all that's required. And and so I'm kind of the limiting factor, but there's no reason why we couldn't do it in Las Vegas. Well, they do have the National Nuclear Museum here that has the nuclear rocket in it. So yeah, that'd uh, that's, be great. that's prop, uh, adjacent to UNLV. They do have the national <laughs> testing site where you can take tours. So I did it as a special tour and had to go through proving American citizenship and all of that. But you can sign up for tours through the through the museum, and and I think it's open. That, and that would be really amazing for students to go see how they did all that testing back in the fifties and sixties and seventies. So you bring up a really you, you bring up a really good point. And that is, I mean, the first word of our organization is international. So even for the participants that we had, we had some non-U.S. Um, citizens in, in our group. And when we were in Houston, we just went to their visitor center, which is open to everybody. You don't need proof of citizenship or anything. So that's obviously a consideration we have to um, right. work through. Um, but, but hey, you know, 
it's it's at the time of global strife and and problems when we need to be talking to each other. We need to be focusing on interacting internationally to try to work through the uh, you know the problems that we're we're having because you know hard times are political times and so we need to you know work through it through better understanding and better communication. So I think that's kind of what ISU tries to do too. Well, if you plan on coming this direction or, or need help, I'd be happy to do whatever I could do to make it happen because I think Vegas would be a really cool place to, to have that. And they even have a mermaid show here if people want to go see a mermaid show. That, that, to me, the number one thing that we've got in Las Vegas is Angie Buckley. Absolutely. But <laughs> if she needs some legs to help her, uh, you know, I've got two legs with bad knees and bad ankles, but they do work. So uh, I'm, I'm throwing my services to, to Angie to, to make Las Vegas happen. Because uh, I did it when I worked with you guys in Melbourne, Florida. That was several years ago. And that was one of the best space experiences that I've ever had by being associated with uh, ISU for that summer session. I don't want to monopolize the conversation. I want to let Angie talk, but let me just say that I think the slogan of ISU ought to be, it'll change your life. Now, now you just said it was one of the, a very good experience, one of the best. A lot of people that go through the summer, the space studies program, what used to be called the summer session program, the SST, they come out saying, it changed my life. And just to get a little bit of that feeling of it changed my life through the crash course, is kind of what we're striving for because once you get a taste of the International Space University, the international flavor, the cross uh, or the multidisciplinary and cross-disciplinary discussions and activities, you kind of get hooked. And I, I, I was a participant in the SST back in 1989, the second one that they ever held, and that kind of did it for me. I mean, I was a space nut before then, but that just sort of catapulted my international activities in the space sector. And it'll change your life, I swear to goodness. Well, it's how I met Angie, and meeting Angie has changed my life in space. She was on the program for space tourism from way, way back decades ago. But I have a listener question for you. Uh, Todd is in San Diego. Either one of you can can respond to him. And he says, um, since the name of the university is the International Space University, I assume people applying have an interest in space, and know something about it. So why a crash course? Who would apply to the ISU that has no clue about space? My response would be is because they want to get into space. One of the target audiences that we've identified is potential investors. There's a, there's a lot of interest from the investment community about investing in space. So if you want to get up to speed really quickly and you're a smart person, investors are, tend to be really smart people. If you want to get up to speed really quickly, you take this course and in five days, um, you, you know, you'll have at least, again, you'll at least have learned what the, the keyword searches are, the keywords you need for, for Google searches or chat GPT searches. You learn enough, you hear the words and you get exposed to the concepts. Enough, especially in the, the way we told the story. The way we told the story was past, present, future of each department. And so that led to a natural progression. You know, the first day was kind of historic. You know, the second day was sort of, here's a snapshot of where we are. And then the third day was this forward-looking, visionary kind of perspective of things we see in the, on the horizon as well as things we can imagine. And so I think when you put it into a, a storyline kind of context, you sort of get people's imaginations going. So I think 
And we had a couple investors in our group, and I think they really benefited from it. What do you think, Angie? Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And at, I mean, I I think anybody that has a modicum of interest in, in the space um, sector or the space enterprise would benefit, it, especially if they're, you know, haven't been exposed to uh, the space enterprise before. Uh, but but one of the stories we also try to tell, yeah, you know, I I come at this from the engineering perspective, but uh, you'll note from my intro that I that I now work for the Center for Space Policy and Strategy within the Aerospace Corporation, and uh, you know that's a very multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary type of uh, job I'm doing, and space is just not engineers and scientists and, and doctors, <clears throat> excuse me. It's everybody. I mean, anybody can make a contribution. We, there's all sorts of people. And, and I think once you get that message out, people, uh, want to learn more about what's going on. I mean, I've, I've briefed, uh, you know, kind of done intro, introductory to, in, introduction rather to the space enterprise to like the, um, the Rotary Club. I've done it to some other social groups and everybody's just like, oh wow. That's great. I mean, business people can be in space. Yeah, this is space business. Uh, and, it, and it's becoming more and more, you know, focused on, on commercial industry and uh, commercial business to support the activities across the board in the space sector. Uh, everyone from NASA, NOAA, FAA to the military. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a great great way to kind of get a uh, baptism by fire, if you will, um, into the space sector. Uh, I have another email for one of you or or both of you. It's from Jack in St. Louis, and he says, do you have to be an enrolled student in the International Space University, or can you sign up and just take it as a class of interest? Uh, I would like to do it, but I don't want to enroll as a student in ISU. Absolutely, and I would say that, um, yes, it's a standalone course. We have independent registration, so whether you've been ever associated with ISU in the past or plan to be in the future doesn't really matter. You know, you basically pay the registration fee and um, you're in. So it's sort of, we're trying to make it as accessible as possible. Our first instance, you know, our first experiment was doing it in person, of course, like I mentioned, um, and we learned a lot there. One of the lessons learned, we we took away from it was we want to do more group activities. We want the people to interact more. So we're actually going to shrink the, we're planning to shrink the number of hours of lectures. Instead of having three hours of lectures per department, we're going to combine the past and present lectures together. And so it's going to be two and a half hours of lectures per department. So now we're talking what, 17 and a half hours total. Uh But then there'll be a group activity as well as a site visit as well as network. We have networking receptions and a welcome reception. One night we invited all the alumni in the Houston area to come and visit us, and they didn't all come, but, you know, a couple dozen came. And it's about networking. You know, a lot of just in life, it's about the people, and it's about getting to know each other and making connections professionally and personally. And so that's what we were really trying to facilitate uh, in the uh, in this first crash course that we ran. Uh, Maxine is in Los Angeles, and she says, who do you get for the professors? Are they all from ISU or like in the Houston area? Did you recruit people from NASA and some of the commercial companies that are in that area? 
That's a great question. And what I did there was I focused on ISU global faculty. There's a, there's a superset um, that I'm referring to as the global faculty of ISU. This is about 150 names, people that have been associated with ISU in the past 35 years, people who are on the academic council, um, part of the global faculty, and then also some people who are sort of adjacent to and are working closely with ISU. And the reason I stuck with those folks to, to get the lectures is, A, they understand ISU. And I should mention, you know, the ISU has got the three I's that I mentioned, which is international, inter, um, disciplinary, intercultural. And, you know, we have, we, have, we have certain values in the organization, um, the values being space education and innovation, uh, for the benefit of all, and then also what I'm calling these days the mosaic of minds, the, the collaborative pluralism. You know, sort of the, uh, you know, the intercultural working together and not only being tolerant of diversity, but welcoming and encouraging and promoting diversity. And we really want to embrace it. And so by, by focusing on the folks within the ISU community, they know how ISU programs are given. They've done it before. They understand the, the, um, the philosophy. And then also the other limiting constraint was not beyond availability. Like I need somebody who, when I was taking the lecture, I needed somebody who could talk not just about, you know, mechanical engineering. I needed somebody to talk about all engineering, past, present, future. So somebody with a broader, you know, um, experience base, somebody who's been exposed to these things. That's why Angie was perfect for that. Angie, um, as you may or may not know, was dean of ISU for a number of years. She's on the academic council, was in the head of a number of committees for the ISU. And so she's a perfect candidate. The other professors we had came from the ISU world, um, including Gilles Clément for Life Sciences. We had Scott Madry for Satellite Applications. Um, we do have a website. Um, it's, I think it's North America. And it, actually, just Google ISU Space Sector Crash Course, and you'll find our website. And if you poke around, you'll find our list of um, lecturers that we had for this first case, um, for this first instance. Like I said, it was Francois um, Spiero for physical sciences from France. We had um, Angie for engineering. We had Gilles for life sciences. We had Lucy Stoyak from Canada for policy and law. We had um, Remco Timmermans for humanities. We had um, Scott Madry, I mentioned, for satellite applications. And then, actually, originally, we were going to have, this is interesting, for business and management, we were going to have a gentleman, a guy named Dmitry Pazin, who's from ISU. He's Russian. He's got a Ph.D. in satellite design and a doctorate of science in economics. He was involved with Roscosmos, with the creation of the restructured rocket and space industry in Russia. He was going to give the business and management lectures for us. But because our course opened up about two or three weeks after the Israeli um, Hamas thing, um, war broke out, he um, couldn't come. So I ended up, because I got a Ph.D. in business, I end up doing the business lectures. So this is how we've chosen lectures in the past. These might not be the same lecturers in the future because they might not be available every, you know, at a moment's notice. So this is why I, I pulse all the lectures and say, who, when are you available? And then I find out who's available for a given date, and then I select from that um, list of availability. So it sort of depends on when we run it in person, who's going to be the lecturers there. Um, okay. Um Listeners, you can call in and talk to Angie and Ken. The toll-free number is 866-687-7223.
And the um, email address is Dr. Space, D-R-S-P-A-C-E, at thespaceshow.com. Uh, Sally is in Boston, and she says, I'm in a profession where I have to take continuing education credits. If I do this, will it count as continuing educational credits? Are you licensed or certified by some entity where I can count it as my credits for continuing education? Coming soon is the answer to that. So currently we are not, and I, this is one of the things I looked into very at the very beginning of creating this course. How do I get continuing education credit? ISU just recently got accreditation for its master's program, so now this was renamed the Master Sciences Program, but that's an 18-month, 12 to 18-month program over in Strasbourg. For the continuing education aspect of what we're doing here, we are currently working with the Space Foundation to get space education accreditation um, within the United States. So that's some things we're working on. So please stay tuned because once we get that level of accreditation for continuing education uh, units, then you will absolutely be the first one to know. We're going to be shouting it from the rooftop. Well, yeah, if you make sure you let me know, I, I will start announcing it. And the Space Foundation is one of our sponsors. So uh, right. it's a, a great organization to work with. Uh, hopefully yep. you, you get that, uh, you get that quickly and, uh, and, um, it will make a difference. Uh, you have another, uh, email. Uh, John is in Denver, Colorado and John says, I'd like to make a pitch for you doing this in Denver and, and de- summertime in Denver is really great. There's no snow and ice and lots of things to do. So, uh, when you're looking at locations, uh, maybe you'll consider Denver. It's already on our radar. Obviously, we're looking at places where there are great, um, number one, great venues like Las Vegas. Denver's fantastic. Right. Um, number two, it's it's got a huge, Denver's got a, it's probably the fifth largest um, concentration of aerospace workers and sector in the United States, and I could be totally wrong about that. But when you look at the, where the major aerospace centers are, they tend to be where NASA centers are, California, Florida, Texas, Alabama, but fifth comes Colorado. And, you know, way back when, when I was doing Center of Excellence, of course, we had uh, uh, UCU Boulder on our roster, and it's a, I love Colorado. I love Denver, and so we would love to go back there. Um, it's absolutely on our radar to go. Um, it is a great place, but um, uh, and summer and spring are really great in, in Denver, yep. too, for any of your... <laughs> What's wrong? Don't like the winter there? <laughs> well, I'm I'm not a skier, but for people who oh, ski, they they really love it. Huh? But uh, yeah, yeah. no, I I want to be able to be mobile. I have to be in in DC in 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 Maryland uh, toward the end of March, and I'm I'm hoping the weather holds up. I want to go up and see some people with the space show in New York. After that, I'm, uh, they're giving me yeah. an award at IA, nice. uh, at the International Astronautical Foundation or whatever its federation. Anyway, uh, that's at the University of Maryland. So I guess that's congratulations. A, thank yeah. you. I guess that's the DC. Yeah, area. congratulations. So um, the Fred Wardway Award. Are you familiar with Fred Wardway? Nope. No. He was the science fiction writer and guide and and physicist who uh, is probably his biggest fame 
is that he guided Kubrick in 2001 on how to to make the movie. But he did a lot of work for NASA and stuff like that. So uh, they made an award after him after he passed away. So So maybe they'll do that for you guys after you're gone for ISA. (laughs) I will have the the Ken Davidian and Angie Angie Buckley course to introduce. Um, Things in space are changing really, really fast, especially in the commercial space sector. So uh, I notice you really don't have like a new space sector. Um, Are you thinking that that might be another division because of how fast-moving it is and how it covers almost every other sector that you talked about. It's really different than traditional uh, aerospace companies and from a lot of the other components that you mentioned. At least it is in my mind, and I can't keep up with it. It's changing so fast. Why don't I, I don't think anybody – oh, go ahead, Ken. Sorry. No, no, no. You, Angie's, Angie's closer associated with the academic council of ISU, and looking at the curriculum development um, is sort of what they're supposed to do. I mean, this crash course that we started, and ISU in general tends to be more broad. You know, it's not until you get into the more in-depth courses like the master's program where you can start focusing in on certain things. And um, maybe in the future we're talking about – having more specialized courses and whatnot. Right now we're starting out at the, you know, the primer kind of um, level of, of instruction. But, you know, I know that we do give courses on space economy. We do do space business um, on demand. You know, we're doing this for the Saudis right now, Saudi Space Agency. So we've got those sort of things. Bringing them to the craft course might be in the future. We're talking about doing that kind of stuff in the future. Yeah, and, and all of the lectures did a good job of, uh, when it was a relevant, uh, thing to bring up. I know I did, uh, talk about, you know, new space and, uh, how the environment's changed, how there's so many more companies now, uh, that are, are doing launch and, and building satellites, building instruments, uh, space tourism industry. So we tried to, uh, fold some of that in, uh, especially, into the when we were looking toward the future, um, right. we talked a lot about what's coming and how things are. And, and you're right, David. You can't. <laughs> it, it it's a full time job just to keep up with what's going on in the space sector right now because uh, there's just so many things happening. And uh, I mean, they, they launched Axiom three yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched it. I watched it. I thought it was pretty cool. The third um, uh, private mission to the space station. So we'll see, see how that works out. Um, right. So, yeah, just lots and lots and lots of things are changing. And I want to pivot back to something that we said earlier in the show, uh, and, and I agree with Ken. He said the, the, uh, uh, the I guess the uh, uh, tagline for ISU should be, it, it, it'll change your life. Uh, I went to the SSP, uh, it was summer session program at the time, uh, in 1993, and yeah, I just picked up on a whole new vector for my career, and it really opened my eyes to how much better things can be when you talk to a lot of different people. And you have a lot of diversity in the group. Um, one of the things we do, and David, I've been on your show talking about a couple of team projects from SSU, uh, from ISU uh, in the SSP, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's just 
wonderful to get different perspectives um, and, and also to learn how to listen to other people. Um, one of the things that, that I found very valuable about the experience is just, you know, just not speaking and just listening to some of the other ideas from our international um, colleagues and how they think about the problem and kind of putting all the best of the ideas together. Uh, it's really, I guess it's really synergistic. And it, it, uh, it is a life-changing experience. And, in fact, I'm still in touch with quite a few of the people from my class in 1993. We still, we still communicate with each other. We still meet up if we're in the same place. Uh, we try to meet up and each other. So it's kind of a lifetime of uh, connections across the space world. Um, I have two questions, and one of them is a, is a comment. So this is uh, from Mary in Seattle. And she says, um, I'm a widow, single mom with a high school boy who really likes space. Is your program available to high school students? So right now, ISU programs are not available to high school, um, high school students. Tends to be graduate level on up. Um, but having said that, Crash Course is going to be, is open to everybody. Um, it's a matter of, you know, the crash course is not cheap, you know. Um, the, the price depends on if we're putting it on sale, but it's on the other order of four to five thousand dollars for the week. Um, however, we are going to be providing, or we are talking about right now, making a digital version, sort of like an appetizer to the crash course, um, where people can get on and watch videos. They lose out on the networking capability, but the price is much cheaper, and they can do it. So I would say, certain types of ISD programs are at the high school level. Other ones are not. Things like this, um, the SSP are originally it was set for graduate level and above any um, stage of professional career, and it's sort of still the same. They, they, I think they're reaching down a little bit into the undergraduate level a little bit on special cases, but typically it's, it's aimed at the higher level um, um, of student. But class course, like I said, we're trying to make that um, open up the aperture in terms of who it is applicable to. So the the crash course a high school student could go to, but that's different Absolutely. from regular. Okay, so here would be the problem. If your high school student, Mary, is a minor, and you're going to send them to Vegas or wherever on their own as a minor, that might be a problem. I don't know, Ken, if you've thought about that. If they're 18 or over, it's not such a big deal unless they're reckless. <laughs> It depends. It depends. I mean, I'm I'm from the generation. You know, there's a thing that says kids born before 1990. They they went and played on their own, starting at yeah, the age of four seven. People born after 1990, they don't go out and play on their own until 14, 15. I was on a plane flying to France <laughs> on my own when I was 15. So, to me, it wouldn't be impossible to imagine a student in high school, you know, flying within the United States to take a course. But you know, times change. So this is why we're making a digital version of it to try to make it more accessible. So um, you mentioned ISU uh, networking, so um, it's really exceptional. And uh, the ability to ask people questions uh, that, um, you know, are the teachers are more experienced than you um, is phenomenal. So I taught an accounting class, if you can believe this. I I was a guest lecturer in a UA Huntsville accounting class on space because the teacher has been on the space show and 
he does a lot of accounting for space, and he's a really interesting guy. So, so some student says, how did you learn all this stuff? Because you said you're, you're not a scientist and you're not an engineer. And, this, and I said, because I found people that answered my questions and that I could just ask questions to and network with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that ISU, that summer session that I attended, and then you also did one in the Bay Area, and I remember mm-hmm. speaking at, uh, mm-hmm. at NASA in that auditorium there at, uh, at, at mm-hmm. Ames, uh, and I'm still in contact, and I still get these people on the space show. So that's a decade or more in the past. So these are lasting relationships, and those are intangibles with, um, with what you're paying for in terms right. of the actual education. And I honestly don't know how you price that uh, because it's, it's incredibly valuable. That's right. And, and like Angie said, you know, I, I did my SSST back in 89, 1989, I, and I can honestly say that every job I had after 1989 was related to the relationships I built through ISU. And so it's, it is incredibly priceless. People bought, especially at the SSP, the price tag is around 20K. When you're talking about eight weeks of everything, food, lodging, lectures, everything except airfare is covered by that amount of money. And it's a huge amount of money, especially in Europe where people are not used to paying for education. But the benefits to your career are amazing, and it will change your life. And this is a good point to mention, David, that there is a space studies program that's coming up in 2024 at Houston at Rice University. It's going to be June 8th through August 3rd of 2024. And they're taking their people can um, submit their applications now to um, to join, and so I would really encourage people to go on Google, type International Space University's um, Space Studies Program, find the admissions page, and poke around a little bit because we held an SSD at Rice University in 1997, and it was phenomenal there. And yeah, it might be a degree or two warmer this summer than it was you know 24 years ago, but it was phenomenal, and access to NASA Johnson, to Rice University, and to all of the space community, which is much more vibrant now in Houston, especially with this new new space economy happening. It's just going to be a great uh, SSP. Um, absolutely, and they also have air conditioning, I might add. So, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. yeah, but but, but I, have to, I have to share this little story. When I I was I was actually teaching at the SSP in 1997. Um, I got pulled into the teaching thing fairly quickly with ISU, and if you're if you're staying off campus and have to walk a little bit, uh, may as well bring a change of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I leave the hotel all crisply, you know, dressed with my pressed shirts and everything, and by the time you get over to campus, you look like you slept in your clothes because it is hot and muggy, but they do have air conditioning. Yeah, and it is a pretty phenomenal place to go if you want to uh, see and touch a lot of things that are going on in the uh, space enterprise right now. Right. Um, so, yeah, lot, lots of really great stuff to do in Houston. Um, um, yeah. uh, Paul is, um, excuse me, is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he says um, if you're a teacher at another university, uh, are there – any kinds of special pricing or a retired person? Do you have special pricing? 
So, so far we haven't gotten that sophisticated yet. Um, we offered the original crash course at $5,000. We ran a sale, brought the price down by 20% um, to $4,000. It went back up to 5K near the end of the registration period. Um, but in the future, maybe we'll do that. We haven't done that yet. Um, but uh, we're slowly ramping up on our the level of sophistication of how we're doing the pricing and what. Now, am I to understand this is a North America-only class? So far, yes. Um, it was initiated by ISU North America. Um, we There's no reason in the world why we couldn't hold it anywhere in the world. Um, and, in fact, we've got a lot of expressions of interest for the crash course, um, far more than the number of people that actually showed up. And the largest fraction of people outside the U.S. that expressed interest were from India. So, um, you know, it's feasible we could run one of these in China, in, China, in Asia, or in uh, Asian, you know, the Indian uh, subcontinent. Um, I'm sure we'd have a lot of uh, um, interest there. So it's just a matter of us growing up and us maturing the program to be able to offer things like that. Um, Jennifer uh, is um, in Chicago, and she says, uh, David, years ago when you were teaching at UND in space studies, you would mention on air that they were working on programs to affiliate some of their programs with International Space University, and ISU was thinking of affiliating with other universities in their programming. Ken or Angie, did anything like that ever happen? Is ISU working with or associated with any American universities? Um, I, I can give you a little history. Uh, there used to be, in the past, there was an affiliates network, and it, there were affiliates you know, across the United States, but also uh, globally. And uh, I, I was I was associated with the academic council at the time, and I, I don't know exactly what happened, but the affiliate network kind of it, it didn't turn out. I think the way that both the affiliates and ISU thought it would. So I, the plan was to rethink it, but I'm not sure that anything has, has happened, you know, since the great rethinking. Um, I do know that they have reciprocal agreements with other universities in Europe. I know they have an agreement with Stuttgart, and um, I can't remember the other one. But it doesn't mean it couldn't happen. It has happened in the past, but there's no formal affiliate network uh, at ISU anymore, unfortunately. Um, if I can break in, I, I do want to offer congratulations to JAXA for landing Slim on the moon a little while ago. Yes, great job. Awesome. And, um, you know, <laughs> so they, know. they join a, a, a unique uh, group of companies, and unfortunately, Astrobotics couldn't even get to the moon on their little robot that they launched the Peregrine Lander on, on the ULA launch a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but they do have power problems, and their solar panels, they say, are not working, and maybe they can fix it. I don't know. But they found the moon. They landed on it. And uh, <laughs> congratulations to Jackson and all the Japanese taxpayers who helped make that possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the uh, SLIM mission, right? Right, SLIM, S-L-I-M, yeah. like something like I strive to be, but I'm not making a <laughs> <say that. laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, so that's, that's another example of just how fast this sector is. Two lunar missions within a couple of weeks. One, unfortunately, didn't make it. Japanese uh, Slim made it. There are other lunar missions planned. I mean, it, it, it is really moving fast between the private sector and, and states. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes there's a mix between the, the two. Um, so, uh, you know, you, I, I'm assuming that you're, you're really working to keep this uh, current in the, in the present part and the future part because to be on the cutting edge, uh, it, I mean, it takes a lot of effort to, to follow all of what's happening and to be up on it. Uh, it's, it's astonishing, especially if you were around – Ten years ago, and all of this stuff was just fantasy land. Um, and ten, ten years ago, twenty years ago, I'm sure you're doing the same thing, David. I was giving presentations about here's what's happening in new space, and at that time, you could say here are the companies doing spacesuits, here are the companies doing launch vehicles, and but now it's so it is so many companies and things are changing so fast. I gave up even trying to maintain those kind of that level of detail in my presentations. It's just impossible. There's so much happening. Well, when I well, and 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 and, uh, and just to piggyback on that, uh, even if you just look at NASA and the Clips missions and and the lunar missions that are planned uh, between, well, try to have is 2021 through 25. There's over 20 missions, lunar missions, orbital wow. and uh, surface missions. Wow. So that's, wow. that's a lot. Well, yeah. a lot coming up. When I signed up with Celeste to send my moms and dogs to the moon, it was in 2008, and I really thought there'd be lunar traffic three years, maybe four years, right? It took 16 years before they launched on the Vulcan uh, with the astrobotic program. 16 yeah. years. And so they have another launch plan now because that, they didn't make it to the moon, and Celestis has a guarantee, and uh, called Destiny, and it's going up in the scheduled for the latter part of 2025, and they may very well make that schedule. It's not going to be another 16 years. So I guess that's an example of how things are changing and, and, and moving pretty fast in this industry. And you know, I was just going to say, David, based on, you know, my research was on industry emergence and how industries emerge in specifically space tourism, and the point there was that, you know, the predictions that were being made that this is going to happen in the next three or four years, and I'm thinking specifically about, you know, after XPRIZE was won and when Spaceship right. 2 is supposed to be ready. You know, it's, it, maybe it's not a factor of 10, you know, but my, my shtick is that, you know, when people say it's going to take so many years, in reality it's going to take so many decades. And <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's just the way industries happen. It's just the way, I mean, there's certain things you can accelerate. There's other things you just really can't. And so... Um, it might not be ten to one, but it's not one to one. That's for sure. <laughs> but the 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 point yeah. is having a, a crash course like this to to get someone up to speed is right. is is probably essential. I mean, it, it right. is uh, because uh, you you're, you know you don't have the time in the day to sit around and and read the aerospace journals and the and the people's right. PhD papers that are published. And, uh, right. and the and space news or whatever to find out what's going on. You can't possibly absorb it or find the time in the day to do it. So this is a great idea. 
That's a great, and that's a great testament to the space industry, I think. It's, it's, it's growing up, right? It's getting complex, as complex as a real industry it really is. And, and, you know, when it was so simple that you knew everybody at all the conferences and stuff, and it was just a couple major players, that's one thing. But now it's totally taking on a different flair. You've got people coming into room that are using language you don't understand, that are coming up with ideas that, you know, you thought were crazy, but, you know, are somehow realistic now. It's, it's, it's a whole new world in the space sector. And so uh, it's very, very interesting time to be involved. Um, listeners, you can yeah, still... I remember... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go I was just going to comment on what Ken just said. You know, uh, when I first started in, in the space enterprise area, you, you knew a lot of the people that you saw at conferences because you saw the same set of people all the time. The first time I went to the – it was the National uh, Space Symposium at the time. first time I went to that one in uh, Colorado Springs, there's 350 people. And – now, you know, you'll have 350 people in one small area of the, of the uh, venue. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just grown tremendously. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, many ways it's manifested the, the way that the space sector has grown. Uh, listeners, I, I know we're getting close to our, our hour, but there's still time if you want to get a quick call in. And I also know it's Friday and you're listening at work. But the toll-free number is 866-687-7223. And uh, we can still take your emails, drspace, D-R-S-P-A-C-E, at thespaceshow.com. Since we are approaching the 60-minute thing, have we omitted anything? Or should you have added something else that you think we should know about? Personally, I would just plug SSP24 again. You know, we're really trying to get a lot of folks to come to Houston. Um, if you want to get it, if you want to get into the space sector, if you haven't been involved or if you're in and you want to broaden your involvement in the space sector, if you want to meet a ton of super smart and interesting space nuts, space fanatics, as well as have great access to the 150 or 200 or so lecturers that are going to be coming in and out over the course of the summer from around the world, all involved with space. And I would really encourage you at least start sniffing around the SSP website, seeing what's going on, and uh, see if you can possibly make it happen, because it will change your life. So this is a summer program, right? Correct. And you Correct. don't, so you don't right. need to be enrolled as an ISU student. This is also available to everyone, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, I just wanted everyone to, to understand that. ISU is a little different than, in that way. You know, you, you, when, for the master's program, you have to enroll, and it's like a traditional university. The other programs, I would almost consider them like professional development programs, whether they're one week long, three days long, or eight weeks long. And so, yeah, you don't have to, like, pre- previously enrolled. You just sign up, pay the bill, and you're in. Um, is, the, is the agenda for that, the, the schedule, the teaching, is that all up on the website now, or you're still preparing it? More or less, I would yeah, say, more it's, or less. Uh, I, I think it's still a work in progress. Uh, typically, yeah. uh, it's generally March-ish, uh, March, early April before the, the lecture roster is, you know, etched in stone and is something that you feel comfortable uh, posting just because right. of, you know, the orchestrating all the lectures to come in and dealing with people's schedules because, you know, well, all the people who teach at ISU are also very 
very busy career people um, and, and fully employed. So it's uh, you know, it's a challenge to get all that set up, but it, it should be it should be gelling in the next month or so. Uh, I have an eleventh hour email, and uh, this is Beverly in Atlanta, and Beverly says I'm a nurse and I'm interested in aerospace medicine uh, and human factors for being in space, particularly if space settlement ever comes to be. Uh, what are your programmings, maybe in the summer session, for human space medicine? Uh, is there anything? And you also mentioned that you have visiting sites that you can go to in the area to make it more interesting. I'm quite sure you're aware of the Baylor University connection mm-hmm. to aerospace mm-hmm. medicine and the Trish Center. Uh, is there mm-hmm. any chance to interact with Trish while you're there for those of us that are interested in aerospace medicine? Angie? I think that there is a representative, well, I know there's a representative from the Baylor College of Medicine, and I think, I know Trish is at some level involved. I don't know if they actually have a person sitting on the, uh, the, the local planning committee, but, um, I know that they're there. I know they're interested. I know a lot of the people at Trish, so it's, uh, um, actually I did some work with Trish, um, some years ago. Uh, yeah, they will definitely be engaged. And, and I think, you know, if, if you, if you, if you're already in a profession like nursing and you're interested in space medicine, uh, there, you know, there are, uh, other university programs you can look at, but the ISU summer program, uh, space studies program, be a really great place to get that broad overview. And you can work in the, uh, human performance, uh, department and learn mm-hmm. a lot about how your skills could be applied um, to, to humans in space. Um, anything else you would you would like to add or or suggest to uh, our listeners that maybe we've missed? Uh, because uh, boy, it's just a big field that you're condensing into uh, a compact. I think it's like taking a big wave file and turning it into a compressed MP3 and not losing any of the signal or information. Yeah. Uh, from, from my side, I would say if you have any other questions, send it to Crash Course, all one word, Crash Course at isunet, I-S-U-N-E-T dot E-D-U. That's Crash Course at isunet dot E-D-U. Just send that email. I'll get it, and I'll respond. So isu dot net dot E-D-U? Incorrect. It's isunet, all one word, I-S-U-N-E-T dot E-D-U. Oh, dot e. Okay, so I got it. Okay, because I'll put that in yeah, somewhere. Go and ahead. If, if uh, anyone wants to volunteer to help out with uh, organizing um, one of these crash courses, if you've got connections, I think some, we, we heard from someone um, in Denver. Yeah, same email. Um, let us know. Yeah. Send the email yeah, to that same know. to that same address, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I will make sure people know that. Um, I want to thank you both for for being with us. This is really an an interesting uh, way to get up to speed uh, in an industry that's moving almost at the speed of light in many ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I commend you for creating it and, and having the idea to do it. And uh, listeners, if any of you do it, uh, I'd love to have you come back as a guest on the space show and tell us about it. 
and uh, you know, we we'd like to hear from you. Uh, Ken and Angie, I want to thank you very much, and uh, you need to be guests on the show much more often than what you're doing. So <laughs> when you have, have things to share with us, let me know and let's do it because uh, we'll do. You bring great information to us, and uh, l- listeners, I don't want to forget to mention our sponsors. Northrop Grumman, AIAA, Helix Space, they're out of Luxembourg, the National Space Society, Astrox Corporation, Celestis, Dr. Ben Arroyo, the Space Foundation, and the Space Settlement Progress blog by John Jossie. And uh, if you're interested in sponsoring or helping out, remember we're a nonprofit, 501c3, so please contact me at drspace at thespaceshow.com. And, uh, again, thanks to Angie and to Ken for telling us about this great program. It's the weekend, everybody, so enjoy it and play safe, as I like to say. And, as always, keep looking up. Goodbye from Ken, Angie, David, and the Space Show.